So we're going to be looking to the Word this morning. It's so good to have Neil and Andrea in our home. We always enjoy reminiscing. We enjoy having fun. We laugh. We try to laugh at Sherry and Andrea most of the time, but sometimes that back, backfires and sometimes the laugh is on us. So, uh, but anyhow, it's always good to have them home. And I want you to continue to pray for Neil. Uh, you know, most of you know he's had a, a throat surgery and uh, the, sur- the surgery was very close to his uh, esophagus or his uh, vocal box and he's not able to sing yet. But how many believe that God can give him that voice back and he'll be singing again for the Lord shortly? All right, thank you, hon. It was a joy to know that she was adjusting the mic. One morning she had me to step up close to her and it was my zipper not the mic so I'm really I'm really good I'm really glad this morning the adjustment was up here not down here I love you today God bless you we want the best for you and if you're going through a struggle this morning don't be afraid to share a need with somebody and it's always a joy to to see somebody lay their hand on another individual and say I'd like to pray for you and there's nothing that can change our attitude about our situations there's nothing uh, there's not a better tool than prayer and the effectual fervent prayer of righteous people avails much and righteous people are just people that are in right standing with the Lord they're not perfect but they're doing their best to follow the Lord in all of their ways they're trying to acknowledge him do we always get that done no but we're still trying and so you're the righteousness of God this morning I want everybody to say that it sounds good I want you to hear your own voice say this I'm the righteousness of God oh come on I see three people that didn't say that come on I want I want you to get involved this morning we're going to all preach and we're going to preach to ourselves as we get started I want you to say this again with me I'm the righteousness of God The third time's a charm. You're the righteous. No matter how you feel, your feelings are fickle this morning. We've all felt like at times we have been ran over by an 18-wheeler. Our fickle, our, our feelings can lie to us. And so I want you not to live by your feelings, but I want you to live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and he gave himself of us. I'm going to be talking to you. Uh, Jared has, has really been doing some phenomenal things in the class and last Sunday, he, he, he taught on establishing our heart. And it so blessed me. And, and I, I, I began to meditate upon it. And, and I, I, kept, I told him two or three times before he left, I said, that message just did something for me. He said, would you like to have the notes? I said, yes, I would. Here they are. <laughs> so this is not original. But I want to I share with you what happened in our class. Would you do that? How many was in Jared's class last Sunday? Okay, the majority of you have not heard this. And those that have heard it, you just act like you hadn't and get real happy about it, all right? We're, we're going to the book of James, chapter 5, this morning. Jared has did an awesome job of leading us through the book of James and about his teaching, about his ministry. But he touched on something that touched my heart, and I'm praying that it'll touch your heart because it does did me a lot of good. And I, I went home and I began to uh, try to apply what had been taught to me, and I began to challenge myself in areas that I really need to be challenged in. And, I, and the Bible says, let a man examine his heart. And I'm not your heart examiner this morning. I'm your shepherd, and I care for you, and I love you, and I want you to stay on the right track. And when you do have a bad day, we all have bad days. Don't suck yourself up in a shell like a turtle does when he hears the rumble of us coming. They always know to duck twice when they hear a Ford V6 coming because they know I'm on them before they can snap the snap of a turtle. 
Where'd that come from? Anyhow, but today I want, I want to just share with you some things that I think will be beneficial with, to us. And we're drawing from James chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Everyone happy this morning? Those that aren't, same sign. I'm at the right place. All right. Too hot? It's rubbing against my cheek. All right, how's that? All right. All right, follow with me this morning. James chapter 5, beginning with verse 7. Therefore, be patient. How many hate that word besides me? How many would loan you your patience this morning? How many would loan me some patience? I see those hands that aren't going up. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for his precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently. There is that word again. Until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, lest you fall into judgment. Everybody can say yes, say yes with me right now. Yes. Everybody can say no. That's the hardest word to do when you've got a grandchild in the house, right? I mean, it is for me. Moving on. I want to look at what Pastor James has to say this morning in, in these three words. Establish your heart. I... Uh, begin to ask myself some serious questions as I, I listened intently to the, to the lesson last Sunday morning in the Sunday school class. And, and James is making a, 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 some statements here that, that is beneficial for all of us. He said, sometimes the effort in life is, I want to hurry up with the process so I can get the show on the road. Anybody there besides me? That hit me right between the eyes. Is it just me or is it in all of us today? I'm not looking. James is like this. You can't hurry up the process. Anybody ever remember when you never thought you'd ever reach the age of 16 so you could get your driver's license? Neil and I remember that. In fact, I invaded Oklahoma when I was 14 with, and I had a Texas driver's license and I tiptoed through the tulips two years without getting caught. And then I became legal. You can't hurry up the process in, in our lives because God wants you to know that he's in control and, and it's up to us to acknowledge him. So in this process this morning, the question is asked, what can I do? James says, establish your heart. Establishing your heart means courage. It means resolve. It means perseverance. It means endurance. It means forbearance. It means as the Holy Spirit gave Jesus perseverance power, that Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to give us the preserving, persevering power and establish our hearts. It guards us against anxiety. Anybody here this morning dealing with anxiety? I have a very close friend 
I visit with him quite often. When he gets close to a city, he pulls over and lets his wife drive because he has anxiety problems. And, and we can all be attacked at times with anxiety. But notice, God, uh, Paul says, establish your heart because it guards against anxious hearts and also sad hearts. Let me say from my very experience as being a pastor, when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we're feeling overburdened, when we feel like we've been overworked, when we feel like the load is so heavy we can't bear it, it'll crush me, whatever that may be. And I want to say this, we've all been there. And I want to be able to help you, and I want you to be able to help somebody else as you meet that person that's going to walk in your in, in your life one day or another. The anxious heart is the one that sees the future with no hope. Think about it. How many people do you know that this morning that, and, and can I say this, it doesn't just reach into a, a secular world. We have a religion that believes that if you have a good life here on this earth, this is heaven on earth. And if you have a bad life, then you've had a hell of a life. And they believe this. This, this, is a, this is a religion. But that religion doesn't line up with the word of God. The Bible says if in this life only we had hope, we'd be really, really miserable people. Let me, the Bible often puts three words together in the New Testament. Faith, hope, and love. And we all can really process this in a simple way and very rapidly. We have faith that God loves us. And that gives us a hope of the future. Well, what is an anxious heart? It's faith without hope and love. I'm not sure the Lord loves me. Have you ever heard that from a Christian when they're going through the trial of their faith? I really don't know whether the Lord loves me or not. I think he's punishing me. And I didn't have a future. And as a result, they're anxious. I have a vision for my future. It's discouraging. It's overwhelming. All of my parents, my parents and five of my family members had heart trouble, so I'm going to die with heart trouble too. Who said? Who said? You did. Amen. The power of life and death, Proverbs 18, 21, the power of life and death are in the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Uh, you're your own prophetic voice this morning and what your future holds, so don't blame somebody else. All right, are we, all right we're good. As, as a result, I get anxious. I have a vision of my future. It's discouraging and overwhelming. If I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Have you ever heard that? And have you ever once said, the Lord rebuke you? And you said it under your breath, but you wanted to maintain a relationship with that person, so you didn't really damage it. You know, I know the future's coming. I'm very, living very anxious in light of it, bracing myself for something that may never happen. Can I say this? Don't beat yourself up. Don't look at me like I'm getting on to you. Job had the same problem. Job, the book of Job in the Old Testament is a very lengthy uh, book. And, and he said, the thing that I feared most came upon me. The psalmist David says this, I will fear no evil because I have the Lord with me. His rod and his staff, they, he comforts me. He prepares me. What is he? God wants to prepare our heart every day. No matter what's coming our way, he wants to prepare our heart. And it's called establishing our heart. 
when we brace ourselves with, I just feel like something bad is about to happen. What we've actually done is turned ourselves into a false prophet. We, every day I need to line myself up with what God's word has to say. I need to realize how blessed I am by what God's word has to say about my life. And when we're predicting a future that might not even come to pass, and then it causes anxiety. Our heart begins to flutter. It shows up mentally with racing thoughts. And this is where people have hard time sleeping. I know. I'm a voice that goes through that valley. And when things aren't right, I have a hard time sleeping. That's where their self-medicating issues come to light. This is where people have a hard time making decisions, getting out of bed, that sort the overwhelmed, anxious, frightful, fearful state that they're dealing with. Well, the question is, what should I do? Establish your heart. Establish your heart. In addition to an anxious heart, some who are feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, frustrated, discouraged, despairing, or depressed, even have a sad heart. And a sad heart is one that is living in the light of a constant funeral. I, we don't have any brother sad sacks and sister sad sacks that go to this church. They go to other churches. Oh, come on, Tanner, give me an amen once in a while. I'm watching you. A sad heart that never has any weddings. It only has funerals. And everything dies. And everything is dying. And even if it's alive, I'm sure it's going to die. In our culture, we call this depression. Hang on. That's a clinical diagnosis. What do you think the number one category of prescription medication is in the United States of America today? anti depressants. Our pharmaceutical com companies are becoming wealthy today through the courtesy of something that's a, called an antidepressant. We're melancholy people filled with sad hearts. I'm not saying we always need to be joyful and fake it till you can make it. We all have challenging moments, but you know, there's those that say, put on a happy face and think good thoughts. You can do that and still be sad. Ecclesiastes says that a sad face is good for the heart. There are sessions of mourning. There are things that, that were grieved and God weeps, weeps with us when we weep. And he laughs when we laugh. Thank you, sweetheart. Every time my cheek goes on that. Hand me the health out. Hand the health out. All right. And hasn't given up. I'm on. I'm on. All right. All right. We live in a world today that's searching for reality. But I can tell you something, I believe in doctors, I believe in medication, I believe when you, when you need help, you need to go for help. When your body's 
turning you every way but loose and you know you're, you're under attack. I, I'm all for doctors. I'm not against medication. Don't get me wrong. But let me say this this morning. The world is filling themselves with self-medication when God has a real prescription in store. And he will never charge it to your Medicare bill. Self-medication. It's where people are having a hard time making decisions, getting out of bed. They're sort of overwhelmed, anxious, frightful, and fearful of what today may bring. What do we need? We need to establish our hearts. We've all felt overwhelmed, exhausted, frustrated, discouraged, despaired, and, and depressed. And we've all had sad hearts. And a sad heart is one that's living in a constant funeral. Sad heart, a sad heart. God has so many things to say about, he wants us to be in health. He said, I would that you prosper and be in health even as your soul. Your soulish man is your mind, will, and emotion. And we keep good thoughts sometimes by the company we keep. We get along good when certain people are around us, aren't, don't we? We need each other is right. We need each other. Thank you, Tanner. We need one another. And we need what each other has. And God has not created us like a turtle. He's created us as human beings. And he wants us to know that we have friends this morning that we can depend upon. Have you ever heard this? Well, I really had a problem, and, but I just didn't want to bother you. Maybe I needed to be bothered. Maybe the enemy was on your shoulder saying, uh, you know, uh, people just don't need you anymore. Maybe that call would have been medication. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Maybe I could have laughed with you while we were together. Maybe you could have laughed with me while we were together. We need one another. It's never a time for a Christian to shut the door and say, look, my problems are so, so big. Nobody will understand. Jesus understood. And he's given you an opportunity in your challenging moments to allow your heart to become established. Rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus and the word of God that we can hide in our heart. When God is talking about, his word's talking about establishing our hearts. It's number one, it's trusting that God loves us. Number two, having faith that he's for us. Number three, walking in the future with some degree of hope because of his affection for us and his presence is with us. Some practical things I'm going to share with you this morning. And I would like to first of all speak to those that have a sad heart. And I'm not talking, I look at the congregation this morning and I know that we have people in this community or in this service this morning that you've lost a loved one recently and I, I, I've stood by your side and I, I cry when people of, my, of our church family goes through times. I, I, I cried the day my mom and dad graduated from this earth. I've cried because I've lost two brothers. There are times when our heart is broken and our, our crushed. We all go through difficult things and the man that's not, that will not admit this is not being truthful with himself. When our hearts have sad moments, and when it comes to the, the, the moment when we can become depressed, clinically and hysterically, historically, there are, is some confusion. You will hear some say that a majority of those who are depressed are women. I'm going to take up for you this morning, women. 
Actually, now the research indicates that men and women are equally depressed. But women and men manifest their depression differently. For a woman, the sad heart shows up in grief and weeping and sadness. But for a man, it tends to show up in anger, temper, or being very curt. And men and women manifest depression differently. Let me ask this question this morning. Do you have an anxious heart? Do you have a sad heart? The answer is to your problem is establish your heart. A couple of practical things I'd like to say that can help you with this. Just trying as your pastor this morning, just like Jared tried last Sunday, and he did help me. And I want to be helpful to you. I, this is a constructive thing. It's something that we, all of us can use to help us in our challenging of life. I've been passing the past, since I uh, graduated from the oil field, I still notice when things happen or new equipment setting on, on the location, and I begin to process. I wonder if that took the place of this or it took the place of that. But the past short period of time, I see where certain oil companies have a large pole on each side of the tank battery. And across that line is, is a wire. What do you think that wire would be? Ronnie, tell the congregation what that wire is. It's a ground. It's a lightning rod. Because if lightning hits that tank, there's a chance of a fire or an explosion. In my time of pumping, I saw this more than one time. One time, I think Dale had just been on the location just a few moments when lightning hit a tank, and it blew the top off of it, and there was an awesome fire. Well, let me say this. If we have an anxious heart, if we have a sad heart, maybe as we establish our heart, maybe we need a lightning rod. Because lightning's going to strike. And before an explosion, there's always the ability before the storm gets there to have a ground. Rooted and grounded in God's word. A person who needs a lightning rod. If you need one, if you've ever been in a lightning storm and you saw what lightning can do and a burst of thunder can do, we all need to be grounded. But I learned that lightning rods had a place, and I remember old expensive homes. They would have a, a ground rod running on the, on the peak of every part of that house to keep that lightning from striking the home. I don't see those much anymore, but in days gone by in expensive homes, that was a, that was a necessity. There's a lot of energy, a lot of negative energy that you and I are facing in this world. We're facing it from the political realm. We're facing it for the, from the community realm. We're facing it in opposition to even in our families at times. And it comes at a time that if you're not rooted and grounded in God's word, the storm is going to cause an explosion, maybe a fire, maybe something in your life that will hit you, that will try to everything it can to destroy your testimony, destroy your faith in God, to destroy your desire to ever be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're going through the storms of life and lightning uh, is striking around you this morning and you're not quite there, but you realize that you're on dangerous ground this morning, I'm here to help you because we all need the help. 
And you know, one of the greatest lightning rods we can have is this. Somebody we can talk to. Somebody spiritual that we can talk to. I have not been a good lightning rod for Christian people. While they were telling me their problems, while they were expressing their discouragement, disappointment, I was reaching in the good old gospel bag to get a scripture. Do you know a lot of people don't want to hear the 23rd Psalm when there's a storm raging. They want to talk to somebody that says, I care for you. When they've lost their best companion, when their marriage has gone down the tube, they're not looking for somebody that can quote John 3.16 really, really intelligently. They're saying, is there anybody out there that's got an ear that would really care to hear my story because my heart is broken? My tears are an expression of how bad I'm hurting. Is there anybody out there that's available to be a lightning rod for me? Jared is one of the most awesome guys. Only God could have handpicked him and brought him into my life. But he's such an awesome listener. When somebody's telling me the story, it's been for years it's been hard for me to say, I've been there. They, weren't, they didn't come to talk to me about me telling them I'd been there. They were needing a lightning rod. Because they were walking in the storms of life and they were letting me know that there was fragments of their life that they didn't have much hope for. But could somebody just please hear the signal, I'm in trouble. Could I tell you my trouble? Listen to me, church. You're working with people this morning that needs a lightning rod. You're mixing and mingle with the world today that wants to tell you their troubles. Jared will listen till the very end. I've watched him time and time again. And he makes sure that you've said the last sentence you want to tell him. And then he'll start with questions to try to pull some more out of you. An awesome lightning rod. An awesome, and God, put, God doesn't do things by accident. He does them because he sees down the road. He sees the storms we're going to face. He sees the battles we're going to encounter. And he knows exactly what we're going to have need of before we ask. The second thing that I want to talk to you about in establishing your heart is this. Every one of us today, not 50 years ago, but every one of us today have a hot water tank. In our house, right? Anybody take a cold shower because it wasn't working this morning? That hot water heater has a relief valve. And if something goes wrong with that and the thermostat doesn't kick it off and that water just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter, if that relief valve doesn't work, you're going to have an explosion. And inside of all of us, God has given us a relief valve. The world calls it on a hot, on a hot water tank. I'm not going to call you that this morning if you're going through a storm or you have had an explosion, but they, the world calls that a pop-off valve. 
I popped off when I should have been listening. And my dad says, I'll meet you in the bedroom, son. Popping off got me in a lot of trouble growing up. But that relief valve, all of us have one. We don't want to have any explosion, but we want to safely get through the storm, and we want to know, we want somebody else to know how we really feel and what's really going on and how bad we've been hurt and how, how bad our hair's been messed up. And, 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 you know, we just like to tell them we want to throw in the towel for a while and see how it is. Have I ever said, I'd like to, for them to wear the shoes that I've been wearing? The person that you visit with or tell your story to, especially if it reaches into the marital area, needs to be a Christian. Make sure that when you take counsel with somebody, you've got confidence that they won't be on the phone sharing what they've shared. And if somebody shares something with you, realize before you tell it to your best friend, this one guy says, you know, I'm not, I don't gossip. I'm telling you, if I did tell what you said, you've asked me not to. If I did tell it to anybody, I, I just tell it to my friends. And I don't have any enemies. Eventually, the pressure builds up in every individual. But we don't want your house, your spiritual house, to blow up. Our life is like this. As burdens come upon us, there's weight, there's pressure that wells up within us, and we need to find an acceptable relief valve, not an unacceptable one. This is where people begin to self-medicate with food, alcohol, violence, anger, gambling, sex, all kinds of unacceptable relief valves. It's not that we need to carry all the pressure. It's not that we have to excuse, an excuse to release. It's just an ungodly thing to do to do it in an unhealthy, unchristian-like way. But there has to be a godly way that we all release the pressure that many times we find building up in our life. If you're here this morning, you're a, a manager, maybe you're a school teacher, you work with your mind, you may be an engineer, an accountant, whatever the case may be, it's probably going to be a relief valve that maybe your hands do after work hours. I know a friend, he said, I just enjoy after spending eight hours in the office, I love getting on my lawnmower. There's something about that lawnmower that brings peace and a change in my attitude. Learn to play a sport. If you don't golf, Find some, go hiking, gardening, do whatever you need to do just to bring peace. But always take the Lord with you because the Prince of Peace wants to feed you peace as you're releasing that pressure that builds up within each one of us. And the most important thing is that we bring our needs always to Jesus. The thing about James is he gives us an encouraging thing to say, to do when he points out the fact that what to do in establishing our heart. He said, remind yourself for the coming of the Lord is at hand. 
For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Before you seek ungodly counsel, before you lean on somebody that you know you shouldn't have, before you get involved with somebody and you say something you shouldn't have said, remember the coming of the Lord, James says, is at hand. Here's what establishing your heart is all about. Be patient, James says, until the coming of the Lord because he is coming back. Here's what I find. We tend to think that the second coming of the Lord uh, needs to come when we're hurting, when we're in financial trouble, when we've heard uh, uh, something bad from the doctor. We, we, we immediately, this, this church years ago, only Carolyn, maybe Daryl and Lane would remember this, but he, I, I love this man. I was working at the filling station, and toward the end of the month, he'd say, he'd come in, he said, fill her up, Pastor. And as he'd get out of the, or, or fill it up, Orville, and as he'd get out of the car, he'd say, well, I've really taken advantage of my credit card. I'm really praying the coming of the Lord will come before the first of the month. Every month I, I would hear him say this, and I would just chuckle. It was funny. I, and at this filling station at times, you, you just not all customers were funny, but he was. I enjoyed it. He was, he was ready for Jesus to come because he was really needing a miracle financially. Like today, if I lost 20 pounds, I'd be saying, Lord, don't come today. I, my clothes are fitting. I'm really feeling good. I've had a miracle. A miracle days came. Lord, you just delay your coming a few more days. Things are smoothing out. I got some plans I want to I take care of. Lord, don't come today. But let something happen. Maybe a doctor's diagnosis. Maybe something you didn't want to hear. Maybe you, you weren't looking forward to hearing. And when we're hurting as Christians, we become more longing for the return of the Lord. Today, today, there's a cry in our lives this morning. It should be a cry in our heart. Lord, Lord, I want to establish my heart. The New Testament speaks a lot about the second coming of the Lord, about 300 times. That means the coming of the Lord is mentioned in about every 13 verses. It's a big, massive, mega theme throughout the New Testament. But listen to me, 2,000 years with the Lord is just a few, few short minutes. One day with the Lord is as 1,000 years, and 1,000 years is as one day with the Lord. But that doesn't mean he's not coming. It doesn't mean that he couldn't show up before the day ends. No matter what we're going through, we belong to Jesus. We're, we're kingdom-oriented. And one day we're going to walk through the gates of that place called heaven where he'll wipe away every tear from our eye. Everyone will rise from the dead. And he that's right and has reconciled his life to the Lord and has a relationship with the Lord will be called up together with them. But sometimes the burden of our circumstances, sometimes James is saying, look up to your Savior and look down on the, on the horizon and see what might be a long time to come might never enter your life. i close with this this morning. James 5 and 9 says, do not grumble against one another's brothers, Christian members of the church he's talking to, so that you may not be judged because the judge is standing at the door. True or false, 
When you're under a lot of pressure, you're heavy burdened, you're overwhelmed, you're feeling weighted down, maybe your heart is anxious or sad, you tend to have less patience with others. Uh, would that be me or is that just a weird thing that we all go through at times? Well, when we're going through stuff, it's important to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. I... Uh, one reason that this has meant so much to me is uh, about eight or ten years ago, uh, uh, our family doctor took sent me to a urologist, and uh, and he, uh, out of 17 biopsies, I've carried this figure for all those years, and Sherry says I'm wrong, so when she's around, I am. <laughs> oh, come on, you've done the same thing. She says they only found one positive, and I always thought it was two, but two or one, that's just one apart. But uh, my urologist uh, uh, retired, and I met a new urologist Wednesday, and some signs of, of uh, things becoming abnormal were showing up. And as the doctor looked at my uh, report, he says, uh, I'm gonna put you on a medication for the next four months. And he said, I don't want you staying six. I'll know in four. But he said, I want to make sure. He said, I want to know if this cancer has moved into your bone structure. And I, I immediately began to reach in my uh, spiritual satchel that I carry right here. Second Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I began to think what David said, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the enemy. He said, I once was young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I even drew from Psalms, or Isaiah 40, 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I reached into the bag again, and I thought about Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against me in judgment, it'll be condemned. And when I got in that Ford pickup, after 45 minutes of orientation from this urologist, I felt like I was on the King's Highway. You know what? What he had said had not moved me. My, my days are numbered just like yours. And there's no, nothing that can deteriorate my walk with the Lord unless I detour. I have the right to detour, but I'm telling you, he said, if you'll walk in the light as I'm in the light, you'll have fellowship one with the other. And I crave fellowship. I enjoy fellowship. I enjoy people. <laughs> I'm glad when the sun rises again because I'm going to have an opportunity to meet more people. There's some people that pull, want to pull the shades when the sun comes up, especially on Sunday morning. You want to say, good Lord, is this Sunday? I like to swing the... Shades open, I say, Lord, this is Sunday. We're going to walk in the light. We're going to have fellowship one with the other. We're going to have, it, it's about establishing our heart. I'm sure there's nobody here like me. But I used to hate Mondays. And I always dreaded Monday because I just, I just, I had this mental thought, if anything's going to go wrong, it'll be on Monday. 
Mondays when every pastor plays back everything that happened on Sunday. Who was there? Who wasn't? The message didn't go quite good. It didn't look really acceptable. And, it, you know, and, and if you listen to the enemy, you, could, you better have just stayed at home and let somebody else have stood in your place. Every pastor eats from that plate on Monday. One day, Dennis Adair, he was listening at the coffee shop, was listening to me on Monday. I said, well, if I can just make it through Monday, everything's going to be all right, I know. And he said, Orville, Monday is just like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and Sunday. The sun's going to rise in the east and it's going to set in the west. You're going to have some rainy days. You're going to have some dry days. You're going to have some windy days. You're going to have some still days. But Monday is just one of seven days. And I began to process that. And then I began to think, this is a day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. I want you to know that we're human. We all have things that we go through. But Jesus says, be of good cheer. I've overcame them all. Have you ever just felt like wheeling into the grocery store when things were so bad and just buying a box of cheer and setting it in the seat of your vehicle as a friendly reminder, I need to be full of cheer. Well, Pastor, how could you say something like that? Because when we were home growing up, white boys could say some black things. And my mother always had a bar of soap right with the wash basin. And if we said any bad words like golly, she'd say, you go wipe that and wash that out of your mouth. And it wasn't cheer. Sometimes it was lava. But washing the tongue did wonders at the White House. Father, I just want to thank you this morning for our awesome church family. I want to thank you that we have one another. I want, to, I want to thank you, Lord, most of all, that we have you. And we have the Holy Spirit to empower us, Lord. And the necessity of establishing our heart comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Establishing our heart is a part of the process that you, you allow us encounter every day when things are good when things are bad when our hearts are sad or where our heart when our hearts are made glad you want us to have an established heart a heart of compassion a heart that we can be a, a lightning rod a, a heart that we could be good listeners and a heart that we could put a put our arms around somebody who's gone through the trial of their faith and say, our Heavenly Father cares. I may not understand. I don't have the answer this morning, but God does. Lord, today, we're just passing through. Tomorrow, today will be history, but tomorrow will be a present that you have given us. And we're living in an old world that's reeling and rocking, Lord. And very few are acknowledging you today in a secular world that needs you. I pray that our hearts would become established. If we leave the building today, we'll realize that there's somebody out there that needs us.
There's somebody we're going to meet that needs an encouraging word. There's somebody out there that needs to know that God can not only forgive, but he can forget. There's somebody out there in trouble today. And Lord, you know our limitations and you know our inabilities, but your grace is always sufficient. And you can empower us to go the second mile and do the thing that's right and shun the wrong and be what you want us to be for a hurting world. I pray this morning at the close of this message, Lord, that we would realize the importance of establishing our heart, that we'll not be moved by every wind of doctrine, that we'll not be moved easily by what others say, but we'll be quick to respond to the Holy Spirit and what you have to say. I just thank you this morning, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy and your grace is sufficient in the hour that we're living. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand this morning? Would you stand with your heads bowed? Let me ask this question today. Are there those this morning? You would just say by an uplifted hand, Pastor, I needed that word today because I want my heart to be established. I want the Lord to do some correction in my walk with him today that I can be a good listener, that I can I can have more compassion for the hurting, that I can have more understanding for those that have made wrong decisions, that, have, that are facing consequences that seem to be out of control. You'd say by an uplifted hand this morning, that's me, Pastor. God bless you. God bless you. Hands across this building this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to close in prayer. If you want to come to the altar, these altars are always open. And if you need somebody to pray, we'll stand and pray with you today. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, he's standing at your heart's door knocking. He's wanting to hear your voice. Come on in, Jesus. I need you to forgive me of my sins. I want to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. From this day forward with your help, Lord, I want to serve you. If that's you, I would encourage you to pray that prayer this morning. Tell somebody before you leave, I've, I've, I've changed, my heart's been changed this morning as I repented of my sins. Jesus came into my life. He's my Lord. May the Holy Spirit ever enable us to be what he's called us to be for these hours. And you'll find the joy that you've never known before as you begin to serve others who are less fortunate than we are today. May the blessings of the Lord be upon you today. And our coming in, our going out, Lord, may your face smile upon this congregation as we continue to put our trust in you. And in the days ahead, Lord, may our lives be beneficial to the kingdom of God. And may we, Lord, cross pathways of those that need to know the good news of Jesus Christ. And may we be filled with the joy of the Lord that's our strength, Lord, that we can have the courage to face situations in our own life, in our own families, and only the way that you would have us to face them. Lord, today we give all the praise and the glory for the good things you've done for us and the things you have in store. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you today. You're dismissed. Thanks for being here this morning.